Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by special guest, Bobby Connor. Hello. God bless you. Please be seated. We're glad you're here. Aren't you glad to be here? God wants to do some wonderful things. He wants to show up and show off. Uh, He's going to answer the prayer of Psalms 90, verse 16 and 17. Oh, Lord, let your works appear. Wow, don't you want to see what God can do? I like talented people, but uh, that's no match for what God can do. God can do awesome things, can't he? Oh, awesome. Uh, Really, uh, it's going to shock us. Here's your verse. It's uh, uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, God says, Look, look among the nations. I'll work a work, a work in your day. It'll be so marvelous, you barely can believe it. See, a lot of people are way too blase about what they think they know about God. I'm here to tell you, we don't know nothing. What we know is so minuscule, so small, it's a shame. We need to get to know God. The Bible said in the book of Job, acquaint now thyself with God and be at peace and good will come unto you. Acquaint now. How do you get acquainted with somebody? Well, you ask them their name. I dare you to ask God his nine covenant names. He had the audacity to name himself El Shaddai, the God that does for you what you can't do for yourself. Yeah. He named himself uh, Shamoth, the God that's here and there. I like that, don't you? And listen, God's got some wonderful names. You'll find his nature in his names. I'm telling you, he's absolutely wonderful. But he's uh, awesome in terror also. Now listen, uh, one thing God's going to do is going to bring back the fear of the Lord to the church. People go, I'll tell you, I'm not afraid of God. I'm more afraid of God than I am the devil. You understand that? Listen, the holy fear of the Lord, you you better position yourself, it's coming. The holy reverential fear of the Lord is coming back to the people of God. And we need it. And I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to hear his voice and tremble. Uh, We're way too familiar with the God we hardly know. But I tell you, he's going to reintroduce himself. Get ready. Uh, There's going to be some sifting and shifting. Jerry Lee Lewis sang about a whole lot of shaking going on. Did you read the book of Hebrews? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Wow, that's what the Bible said in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is written to show that Christians have the best plan ever. Isn't that good? we got a superior covenant. I'm glad, aren't you? Well, I'm glad you're here. Let's have a good time. I tell people, some people have just enough Jesus to be miserable. They got him in the head but not the heart. They got a lot of man-made rituals and uh, rules and regulations, stipulations, manipulations. God's not like that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. If you're bound up somewhere, it means you're not where the Spirit of God is. Where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty. Uh, The Bible says, the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is what? Find you a good lawyer and get him to look up that, uh, uh, that Greek word indeed. Guess what it is? It's a courtroom term. It means irrevocable. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, irrevocably free. Aren't you glad? I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful Jesus saves what he keeps and keeps what he saves. He's not up there going, well, 
I started something good, but it's playing out. No, Philippians 1.6 says being confident. Philippians 1.6, for those of you taking notes. Philippians 1.6 says being confident of this very thing, he that hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to keep on working with you till you look like Jesus. God doesn't have a whole plethora of plans. He's got one plan. Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our own image and let's give them kingdom control. He's not vacillated on that one iota. Second Chronicles 16, 9 said, The eyes of the Lord are roving to and forth throughout the whole earth. What are you looking for, God? Looking for people who have no plots, no plans, no agendas but his. Says when he finds them, that's, he said he'll fully support all they put their hands to do. Yeah, okay, so we're going to have fun. All right, where were y'all at during the, the school? You ought to sign up. You're too busy to, to, to come? Well, you better drop something. The next school, sign up for it, okay? I'm serious now. You say, well, you know, we had some, we had some other engagements. Mm. Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first the kingdom. Forget about them engagements. Seeking first the kingdom is a lot more important than prior engagements. Well, we had some people over for dinner. Mm. You let the devil eat your lunch if you're not careful. You better feed yourself up on the word of God. Thy word was found, and I did eat them, and they were the rejoicing in my heart. we got to get the word in us. You can't come to church and just hear a message. James 1.22 says you must become a doer, an activator of what you hear. Yeah. Well, don't scold me, Bobby. Well, somebody better. The Bible says lift up your voice as a trumpet and reveal to my people their sin. I don't like preachers that mumble and apologize for nearly saying something. And, you know... No, we better, we better sound the trumpet, don't you think? Well, I've got a lot to say. Yeah. What do you do? Yes. Take a guess. You'll get it right. Come on. I'm just a mom and a student. You're just a mom and a student. Well, the smartest man in the whole world other than Jesus Christ, the smartest man in the whole world, Solomon, and he said, here's what he said. I listened to what my mama taught me. It says in the scriptures, I adhere to the teachings of my mother. See, it, so you're, you, you can do that. You can impart wisdom like his mother imparted to him. I listen to the teachings of my mama. Isn't that cool? Boy, Heidi, I made a, one time I was having my income tax filled out years ago. And uh, the, the lady says, uh, uh, is your wife employed? I said, nope, she's just a housewife. Whoa, whoa. That dear lady filling out my taxes pulled her glasses off, and she said, do you know how much it would cost to have your laundry done every week? Do you know how much it would cost to have somebody to bring your groceries to the house? She, wrote, she read me the right act. Boy, I, I go, whoa, I got a new appreciation for mama, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, isn't that something? Oh, Lord, thank God for mothers. Just be honest, none of us be here if it wasn't for them. Correct? We just had Mother's Day, wasn't it, last Sunday? <laughs> this is Sunday. Oh, man. Yeah. You doing okay? Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's surely going to be okay. Yeah. I can tell you a few things are going to happen to you. You're going to be dancing around with Jesus like little kids on a merry-go-round. That's what's going to happen to you. That'll be good for you. Can I, I'll tell you a story about it if you want to hear it. Yes, Bobby! Some guy, some doctor brought his wife that was insane to one of the meetings. Couldn't keep her tongue in her mouth. Couldn't call her name. 
It was the craziest thing. Well, actually the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Brought her to the meeting, and uh, she was on the front row, and I didn't know the man. He said, uh, uh, the Lord told me if I'd bring my wife here, he'd heal her. She couldn't keep her tongue in her mouth. The nearest thing to a zombie, as you could imagine. Lifeless, just like this. And I said, God, I don't think she's communicable. I don't think, I don't think you can communicate to her. He said, uh, I want you to do something. I said, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Now, that's one of my keys to success. That's the honest to God truth. Oh, man, you better watch it. He'll, he'll, he'll test you every once in a while. Anyway, but this dear little lady, bless her heart, I said, God, what, will you, what do you want me to do? She's just like a rag doll. He said, I want you to pick her up and skip around with her like children on the playground. I thought, God, I don't think she can walk. I picked her up, and she was just like an a, a empty sack. And I took her like this, and I, I'm dragging her around in a circle like this. And all of a sudden, it seemed like it just it got faster than warp speed. And we went around so fast, the whole building was spinning around like that in my head. And then I turned her loose. She could quote her name, quote her social security number, call all of her children's birthdays just like this. Yeah, just like that. See? The simplicity. You know what God told me? He said, Bobby, that's me. The most profound thing you can do is maintain simplicity. I wrote a whole article on the complexity of simplicity. See, it's the, the complexity of simplicity. You want to analyze the life of Bob Jones? That was the whole key to it. The complexity of simplicity. The Lord always dials it down. The Lord came to me the other day and asked me a question. Guess who's going to school when God asks you a question? Here's what he said to me. You ready? You ready? This is Jesus talking to Bobby. He said, Bobby, do you know what a printed word is? I said to him, apparently not. <laughs> now, I write books. I've written hundreds of books. We're going to talk about a couple of them in just a moment. But the Lord Jesus said, Bobby, do you know what a printed word is? I said, apparently not. He said, a printed word is a thought you can see. Now, that's profound. A printed word becomes a thought people can see. Wow, that's profound, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Aren't you glad God wrote his thoughts? We got, we got his manual of his thoughts. He thinks about you a lot. Psalms 139 verse uh, 18 says, His thoughts toward us are weighty and precious, and they're more numerous than the sands on the seashore. Psalms 139 verse 18. Isn't that something? He thinks glorious thoughts about us. So you got the music going, didn't you? I, I, like, I like music. They never asked me to sing in the praise teams. But when I do bust a move, I, I, I sing like Louis Armstrong. Well, hello, darling. You're looking swell. Just a glowing. That's Louis Armstrong. Of course, there's not a big demand for Louis Armstrong right now, but uh, should there be, I'm ready. I, I need to get a Christian song. Oh, and the saints go marching in. Oh, and the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. Yeah, see there? Dead ringer for Louis. Y'all don't know Louis, do you? Louis Armstrong. Anyway, now here's what gripes religious spirits. They hate stuff like that. They want you to be religious. I don't like religion. I read the Bible. If you read it, you'll find out God don't like religion. Man does. Because he wants something he can control. I don't guess you know I'm in charge of this. You ain't in charge of nothing. 
We are what we are by the grace of God. God extract his grace. You could get out of bed. Woo! I got in, in a blessed John Paul heart. John Paul's in heaven right now. John Paul Jackson. John Paul had invited preachers from all over the earth to come down to uh, Florida for a pastor's conference. John Paul and I were going to be the speakers. I was going to be the keynote speaker for the gigantic pastor's conference. I said, okay. So I get down there, and the text that God had given me is this. John 15, 5. John 15, 5 says, without me, you can't do nothing. Now, these are pastors from all over the world. They paid a bunch of money to fly in. We're at the uh, whatever hotel that is. They got alligators swimming in pools in that hotel. The Gordon, I don't, I don't remember the name of it, but it's crazy. You walk over bridges, there's alligators down there. Real ones. <laughs> yeah. It's a real fancy, swanky hotel. Had a conference center too. So anyway, so I'm up there and I start my keynote message to pastors, famous pastors. Without Jesus, we can't do nothing. You could feel the egotism rise up and go, I don't guess he knows who I really am. I don't guess he's seen my latest movie. These guys, oh man, it was, it was pretty rough. And I was trying to tell them now, without God's grace, we couldn't even get out of bed. Without God's grace, we couldn't make an intelligible sentence. And I preached, and it was like a lead balloon. <laughs> you know, these people want to hear a now word from God. Hallelujah. Glory to me. Yeah. That's, what they, that's what they wanted. But I stayed with this subject. Without God, you can't do a thing. Right over there by, the, by a thing, a big blue light went. And an angel was there going to me just like that. Okay, so I finished the message. There was no applause. Well, some was really happy it was over. This is now, this is the truth. I just finished preaching about an hour and 30 minutes on without God, without his grace, without his anointing, you can't do a single thing. Now, John Paul Jackson was brilliant. If anybody in America could have articulated something, John Paul Jackson could. So he's going to come right after me to these preachers. It's his conference. He's the one that uh, invited them all. So John Paul gets up off, off the seat here, walks right up here uh, to a thunderous applause. John, now, John Paul's in heaven, wonderful man. So John Paul starts, and he's starting like this, and it's wonderful. He's very uh, articulate, and he's very... Uh, uh, socially correct. He was, honestly, he was, he was just doing a wonderful thing of introducing the conference, introducing the people. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, he's preaching, and he says this. You ready? He's, and he's doing good. He's preaching verses from the Bible. Then all of a sudden, he says, like, turn to 2 Corinthians 6, 1, or something like that. And then all of a second, sudden, he goes, yeah, yeah froze. Could not make an intelligible sentence. I thought, oh my God, he's had a stroke. That's what I thought. He could not make an intelligible sentence. One of the most articulate men in America at that time in a pulpit. 
Wow, you can Google him. He'll light your fire, man. But there he is. I thought, oh, Lord, what in the world is this? He said, I'm making John Paul live what you just preached. That without the grace of God and the anointing of God, you can't even make an intelligible sentence. So I'm thinking how long it seemed like 20 minutes, which it was maybe four. And then all of a sudden, just he, he just finished the rest of the verse he's reading and went ahead and preached up a storm. So we're walking back to the green room, me and John Paul walking back to the green room. And I said to John Paul, man, wasn't that something when you froze? He stopped and said, what? I said, when you froze, he said, what are you talking about, Bobby? I said, okay, with John Paul, let's go through the whole thing you did. I said, uh, from the time you got up to the seat, he said, I got up to the seat. From the seat, I stood before the people behind the pulpit. I, preached, I, I, I greeted them. I started on my text. I said, how come you to turn over here real fast when the blue light? He said, I saw a blue uh, thing pop open right over there. That's when he turned and saw this angel. And see, so he didn't say angel. He said, I saw a blue flash, and that's when, that's when he froze. And he said, he didn't know a thing about it. Isn't that crazy? But what I'm trying to tell you, he had to live what I just preached. Did you know you couldn't have got out of bed this morning if it hadn't been for the grace of God? The very air you breathe is because of his marvelous grace. We are what we are by the grace of God. See, let me tell you God's plans for you. They're good. Jeremiah 31, 17 says, your future is filled with bright hope. You go, don't you understand? That's a, that's, that's a promise to the, the Israelites. Hey, I read the Bible. It says all the promises of Abraham are ours. That's why that sonship message is so important. You better come to that sonship message. I'll give you a verse about the sonship message. You want it? Yes. It's 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, Behold. It's the only behold in the Bible that's different than the other beholds. Every other behold in the New Testament talks about focus. Luke 10, 19. Behold. That behold means firmly focus, but not 1 John chapter 3. Now, the behold in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we'd be called and identified and classified as the sons of God. That's what it says, behold. But that's behold is different than any other behold in the Bible. If you're going to translate this correctly, here's how you have to do it. This behold. You have to, your jaws have to drop down. Your eyes have to bug out. And you have to say, can you imagine? That's the behold. Can you imagine what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we'd be called, identified, and classified as the sons of God? The Bible said the whole creation is wanting you to step into your identity as the manifested sons of God. That's true. That's true, man. Wow. Devil do everything he can to keep you from finding out your true identity. Find out what's yours in Christ. You're a joint heir with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 says he's the rightful owner of the entire universe. So that makes you co-owner of the universe. Mm-hmm. Co-owner. I don't know how it is out here in Silicon Valley, but in a, a Texas, if you've got to borrow, if you're going to borrow some money, you have to go to a bank. There's usually somebody sitting there in a kind of nice dress or suit. And the first thing they're going to ask you is, uh, you have any collateral? Uh, what are your assets? If you read Hebrews chapter 1 and you're a believer, you can say, well, I reckon I'm half owner of the universe. That's what it says. 
You're a joint heir with Jesus. Anything he has, you have equal share. Now, none of that's the message. I'm just up here talking. Uh, look, I got me a man bag. Good God. <laughs> California, here I come. Listen, you have to run pretty fast in Texas to carry a man bag. It's, it's acceptable out here, but Texas, man, it better have camo in it, some bully holes in it. You know what I mean? Woo, yeah. That's the wildest thing. The guy that, the, the guy that gave me this thing is a classical pianist. They pay him $50,000 to play one night. Craziest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Lord said, I'm going to give you a man bag. I said, God, I'm not sure I want one. Next thing I know, this guy emptied out everything out of them and says, here, God told me to, take, to give you this. I said, all right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. $50,000 to play the piano one night. He's a classical pianist. You can name any movie and he can play the theme to it. Wildest thing? Adelaide Cruz is his name. He loves Jesus. Well, anyway, that's the man bag story. <sighs> Y'all not in any rush, are you? My plane don't leave till six. <laughs> so I got a lot of time to yak. God bless you. I get paid to talk. That's right. The Lord said, I put my word in your mouth. That's what he said. Yeah, isn't that something? He covered me with his hand while I was in my mama's womb. My mama stuck a coat hanger in, going to pull me out, and the hand of Jesus pushed me aside. I had a visitation from Jesus when I was five years old. Didn't get converted till the fall of 1968. A demon tried to kill me from the time. Uh, yeah, I got drunk one, one time when I was eight years old, and a demon came into me, tried to kill me till 1968. Had a gift all this time. I tell if phone's going to ring, car's horn's going to blow, you know, if the shuttle was going to crash. Yeah, I thought everybody do, knew that. Then I found out they didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. People go, well, I don't know if that, I, you know. listen, I learned a long time ago. I read the book of Acts, don't lie in church. Yeah. Look at Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. Drop dead in the house of God. Why? They were lying about their devotion to God. God brings that judgment back. The best business to be in is undertaker. Yeah. Don't you think? Because a lot of people are deceptive about their walk with God. What you've got to do is get really honest and say, God, I want it. I want you to appear to me. I want you to put your word in my mouth. I want to be used of you. We got a desire. Psalms 27. This is about, uh, we write a book each year called The Shepherd's Rod. And the one for 2019 is out there on, in the book table. And it talks about beholding the majesty of the master on a level we've never seen in our lifetime. It'll break our heart like Isaiah chapter 6. He saw the Lord high and lifted up and he said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Remember that? We're going to have our hearts broken when we see him in his splendor and his majesty. And then all of a sudden it's going to change because he's going to give us another opportunity to laud our praise on him and to appreciate him the way he's worthy of. And so it's going to be wonderful. We'll, we'll weep bitter tears of anguish and then blissful tears of jubilant joy. But we're going to see him in his majesty. And this is a year the Lord, the Lord said, tell the body of Christ, change is in the air. Money kept falling, coins, nickels and dimes and quarters, a stack of them. I've got them there at the house. Most of them are brand new. And so anyway, coins would fall in the airport, at the office, down, walking down places. And finally I said, Lord, what does that mean? He said, announce to the body of Christ, change is in the air. 
And do you believe there's change in there? Then he said, tell them their spiritual tomorrow won't look like they're today. I like what our sister was reading. She read Psalms chapter 30, verse 5. It says God's anger is but for a tiny moment. His favor is for a complete lifetime. Weeping may last the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. You need to hang on because there's a new day coming. One day can change everything in your life. It sure did in, in the Gospel of Mark, didn't it? Gospel of Mark chapter 5, we find a guy called the nude rude dude. Crazy as a bed bug living up in the mountains and tombs. Remember that? Naked, suicidal, scratching, cutting himself. No man could tame him. Jesus shows up. Remember the story? What is your name? My name's Legion because there's a bunch of us. Remember the story? Wild story. See, that's in there. That's real. Some of these virtual reality goggles need to play that. Jesus steps out of the boat. Here comes a maniac, nude, rude dude, full of scab scars. That's all he's got on, nothing else. (laughs) Naked, suicidal, living in the tombs. Hey, you want to see another Harry Potter movie? There's the end of Harry Potter movie right there. That's the full fruit. That's the full fruit of Harry Potter. Suicidal, crazy, living in a graveyard. Yeah, that, that's what it says. It says his, he was demonized. And it's a Greek word called demonizomia. It means under the total control of a devil. And he comes running down. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, get in the boat, boys? No. <laughs> no. It, this, you've, re, you've read the story. Jesus, what's your name? My name's Legion. There's a whole bunch of us. There's a bunch of pigs up on the hillside. Remember that? And the demons said to Jesus, don't send us out of the country. Let us go up in the pigs. And Jesus negotiated. said, yeah, you go. The demons left the man, run up and got in the pigs. About 2,000 pigs, your Bible says, in Mark chapter 5. Don't you like the gospel of Mark? Let's be honest here. Every gospel presents Jesus, it presents Jesus in a different genre. Mark is action. The most repetitive word in the gospel of Mark is immediately and straightway. I've never liked sidelines. I want front lines, don't you? I don't want to be a spectator, but a participator. You don't want to watch this happen. You want to be involved in it, don't you? So anyway, what's my name? Well, my name's Legion. Go to get the pigs. The demons left, got in the pigs. Remember the story? What happened to the pigs? They start squealing crazy nut. They run down and jump in the ocean and drown themselves. 2,000 pigs bobbing. I mean, listen. Now, you know what that is? You can look at it any way you want to. It's a mass case of swinicide. Hey! <laughs> 2,000 pigs. And remember this? The guys keeping the pigs, they ran in town. Now, now we would text. Said, Boss, you better get out here. Something's coming down. I've seen kids on the couch texting one another. I'm on the couch. Me too. What happened to communicative skills? I'm mad at fa- how fast they can type. There's a gal on the plane coming up here. I go, uh, 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 and then they'll say, just drop box it. Talking this Martian sounds. They call it smartphone. They're crazy, aren't they? The phones. I was riding in the car. And the, the guy driving asked Siri for directions. And she said something like, I, I can't get that now. And he said something like, well, that's a pile of stuff. 
And you know what she said? It looks like you could be nicer. <laughs> yeah! That's what Siri said. Listen. Now, it's pretty bad when you get rebuked by <laughs> some gal on your radio. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Anyway. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Good Lord. I know. Here. here. I, want, I want to talk to you about this book. This is a prayer book. Uh, here's, here's, uh, th this is not a prayer book. It's a book about prayer. Jesus said, tell my people what real prayer is. He said, it's an audience with the king. In this book, I talk about the altar of incense. And we don't understand how precious and powerful our prayers are. The Bible says, when you pray, your prayers go up before the altar of God as incense. It says, a strong angel catches your prayers in a golden vase. And he gives this, this golden vase filled with your prayers. And then one day, God's going to reach down and scoop fire off of his altar into this vase. We got your prayers mixed with the fire of God. This is what it says in the Bible and it's hurled back here to earth and it says when your prayers mixed with the fire of God comes back to earth, what happens? Lightnings and thunders and displays of God's power. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from praying. But here's your great verse about prayer. You want it? John 16, 24. It's in the red part of the Bible. It says, Jesus speaking. He said this, up until now, you've not asked. Ask now and you'll get what you're asking so that your heart will overflow with happiness. Why now? 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, now is an acceptable time. A time of an assured welcome from God. A time God will hear you and help you. Boy, you ought to, that's 2 Corinthians 6, 2. I like 2 Corinthians 6, 1. It says, laboring together with God as God's fellow helpers. God chose us on his ministry team. Isn't that cool? Say it, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Laboring together with God as God's fellow helpers then. God chose us to work on his ministry team. He chose us before we were us. That's true. So this book's about prayer. I'll read some of the statements of famous people concerning prayer. Is that okay? Yes, Bobby. Just anything so you won't be screaming so loud. Yes, I could tell you some meetings in churches. I levitated while I was preaching. What? I levitated down in Argentina in a basketball arena. I'm up there preaching on the glory of God. And I had my fingers on the pulpit just like this. And all of a sudden I felt weightless. And I looked down. I was about this high off the ground. I don't know how many thousand people there were in that place. But they went crazy. They jumped up, they come running forward screaming, Glory Adios! They threw billfolds, backpacks this deep on, the, on the, the stadium. It was the wildest thing. I thought to myself, I hope they know whose stuff this is. <laughs> but see, isn't that something? I, I like things you can't explain. You know? See, any, anything the devil counterfeits, God has the genuine. Paul was caught up See, well, you know, the new age, they levitate. Paul was caught up. Wow, see, if Paul got caught up, Bobby can get caught up. Yeah. Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. yeah, that's how I got a lot of my experiences. I read where it says, God spoke to Moses face to face as a friend speaks to the friend. I said, God, you're no respecter of persons. If you spoke, I'm talking fast, ain't I? It's that chai. <laughs> they got me some chai tea. <laughs> No. I just always talk fast. I'll tell you why I bought television time, and that way I got my money's worth. Have you checked on television time lately? It's crazy. It's crazy. 
Some, some are $17,000 a minute. 17000 a minute. Eh, times money, isn't it? Crazy. But I get it for free. It's really true. I was the largest NBC station in the region and talked to the boss. The Lord had told me, said, I'd go, to the, go there, sit down and talk to the boss, tell him you're going to want 30 minutes of his time on secular television. And uh, so uh, I go there. And so I can tell you how many tile is in the ceiling. I can tell you how many chairs is in his uh, office. Because here's what happened. Y'all want to hear it? Yes, Bobby. So the Lord said, I want you to go there. And I want you to get 30 minutes of his time each week. And tell him you're going to pay him $117 for 30 minutes. That's what, so I got my, got my little Walmart briefcase. I go up and set up an appointment with uh, Mr. Hurley. Mr. Hurley comes out and sits down in this office chair. And he said, uh, uh, I understand you have a, a proposal. I said, yes. I want to get on secular television and show a demonstration of God's power. He said, that sounds uh, quite unique. I said, yeah, it is. And he said, um, uh, what do you want? I said, I want 30 minutes a week. And he said, now you understand uh, our our." Station is pretty pricey. I said, now, what are we talking about here? He said, at prime time, a 30-second advertisement can be $700,000. 30 seconds, $700,000. I said, no, sir, I'm, I'm going to pay you $117. <laughs> now, here's what he said. He goes, <laughs> just like that, just beating on the table, red as a beat. I'm not laughing. Then he says, you're serious? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> Leader stood out in his neck. He said, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. You think I'm selling you 30 minutes for $117? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, you're crazy. That's what he said. And he jumps up and goes out of the office. There's 27 chairs in that office. I counted every one of them. I was going to get my stuff and leave. God said, sit here. I said, he's gone. He slammed the door over there and rattled the chairs. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. I don't know how long I sat there. I counted the chairs. Then I counted the tile in the ceiling. And then finally, the door opens again. And in comes Mr. Hurley. His leaders are still standing out. He comes in there and pulls a chair up next to me, throws down two pieces of paper about this big. And he said, this is the craziest thing. I don't understand. Sign me to your contract. For $117. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't have any television cameras. The only cameras I'd ever bought was at Walmart to film deer hunting. So, I go to a church that does, does television programs. And I said, I need to know uh, uh, some cameras. And they said, you need two ikigami. Ikigami. That's tongues. You need two Ikigami studio cameras, and then you need a roving camera. I said, okay, I said, write down what I need, two Ikigami cameras and a roving camera. I go to Dallas, Texas to get me a cameras, and so I get there, and I said, I need uh, this, and the salesman said, <laughs> he said, man, said, uh, you understand these uh, Ikigamis are quite expensive. I said, what are we talking about? He said, 47. I said, 4,700? Same thing as the TV guy. 
I ain't laughing. $47,000 a camera. And I needed two of them. We didn't have any money. So I stopped in the middle of the camera shop in Dallas and go, Hey God, you got a problem. You don't have any cameras. Now watch, all of this is true. You can't make it up. So I go back to, te- to the church that next Sunday. And I stood there and I said, God wants me to go on television, but I don't have any money. The cameras are a lot of money. There's a couple sitting there. I'd never seen them in my whole life. Never been in that church in their life. My wife and I are greeting them at the back door. They come out and shake hands and said, do you mind if we carry you to dinner? No, I'm not opposed to that. <laughs> so we go to dinner with them. Now, here's the deal. They said they'd never been in our church in their life. I'd never stood and asked for money there. And uh, they said, both of our parents have passed away. And they've left us the family jewels. We were both converted by Christian television. We've been wondering how we could sew back into that. And we want to give you the family jewels for your cameras. Okay, I took two pieces out of a sack of jewelry and got the two cameras. $47,000 a piece and gave back the jewelry to the people. See, God, God's got it already covered. He's El Shaddai, the God that does for you what you can't do for yourself. Crazy stuff, man. See, that's one thing. We, that's, if you're going to reach the millennials, you'll have to do it with the media now. They can't, they're not going to sit here for a 45-minute scream fest. I mean, if you, you better get on there and tell them something and hook them then. You know what I mean? They busy. Oh, Lord. Did I tell you? I, I told you when I went to the scream band, didn't I? Oh, Lord, that was crazy. I preach in the largest youth conferences in the world. I'm 70, I'll be 76. I think I'm 76. 43, 1943. Yeah. So I'm 76. I'll be 77 my birthday. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to a screen band concert. I was preaching at a thing about seven or 8,000 kids. And this big old guy called him up a kid, skinny as a thing. He's about that tall, sort of like a giraffe. I said, what do you do? He said, dude, dude, I got a scream band. Yeah! Then I said, a scream band? Now, I know George Strait, Willie Nelson, those kind of guys. All my, oh, yeah, yeah. country and western. Y'all know country and western music? Yeah. Ding, ding. We ought to get the pastor an album. You know? I'll talk to Ricky and see if he's got any of his. Ricky Skaggs. He, he sings a nasal, a little nasal. Bluegrass. Y'all know Ricky Skaggs. He's a great evangelist in Nashville. I'll see him this week. I'm going to be down there with Larry Randolph. Boy, Ricky is something. But anyway, uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Just crazy stuff. Uh, what we got to do now is just we got to chill out and let God do anything he wants to do. Don't try to pre-plan it and, and try to strategize it out. Just say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to follow you. Whatever you say for me to do, I'm going to do it. Following the Holy Spirit is the best thing in the whole world. Nothing else can compare with being led by the Spirit of God. It says these that are being led by the Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 says, As many as are allowing themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. Wow. If you're allowing yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Anyway, let's talk about some stuff. I'm going to read these things about prayer. 
You ready? <clears throat> Let me get my Morgan Freeman voice where it'll sound nice. I like these kids. They got all this technical stuff. Aren't they something bad? Went to the screen band. That was awful. Kid goes, I got a gig after this. You want to go? And I go, yeah. I go, my God, I don't want to go. I'm going to go take the sweaty clothes off and go to bed. He said, it starts at 2. 2 a.m. I'm a guest at the screen band concert. The speakers were bigger than that wall right there, that wood wall. And they brought me right there. Right there. Oh, Lord. You ever been to a screen band concert? I'll tell you. Oh, good Lord. Here's what happened. You can't call it music. It was high noise. And it just, you could feel your hair go. You could feel your blood going. Then the kids started. It wasn't singing. Here, here, here's scream band. It's like you swallowed the mic and spent the rest of the night trying to cough it up. Crazy, man. Several thousand kids watching this. They jumped up, started throwing dope down, all kind of stuff down, right in the middle of a screen band. I said, God, what is this? He said, this is me moving in the midst of a whole bunch of people that wouldn't come here. You preach. But they, it was in a vernacular they could receive. I'll never forget it in a thousand years. It stunned me, shocked me. So after it was over with at daylight... Two till 5.30. I was a happy camper when the sun started coming up. Oh. So the kid's packing up his stuff. And I went up there to him. I said, I am so sorry. I could not understand one single lyric you sang. I said, could you show me your song sheet? I'll never get it in a thousand years. He popped his apple up, pulled, pulled it open, showed me the song sheet. Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood? There's a fountain filled with blood, and sinners plunge beneath its flood, lose all their guilt and stain. He sang the old songs about the redemptive blood of Jesus, but in a, in a genre, these kids could hear it. See, the blood will never lose its power. We're not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. What we've got to do, God spoke to me as clear as anything. He said, Bobby, never change the message, but adopt new methods. Never change the message, but adopt new methods. All right. So this is pretty creative. You know, this kind of, I'm going to read this thing just sure as anything. Let me find it. Okay. I like those over there, but they slide off my head. Those little, yeah. What? Yeah, but then, yeah. Remember that I got headlights? No, 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 that's, that's not true. That's Siri talking. One of the things I did in researching this book about uh, Alter of Incense uh, being an audience with the king, I looked up famous people's sayings about prayer. Here's what Andrew Murray says. The man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism in history. I believe that. I believe we're to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. I believe we ought to be praying for lost people. See, there's some people you can't talk to about God, but you can talk to God about every person. You see the difference? You've got people in your own family. You can't talk to them about God. They'll storm out them, but you can talk to God about them. 
Andrew Murray said, the person who mobilizes a church, the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism in history. Here's what Ian Bounds says. Prayer makes a godly man uh, and puts him within and puts within him the mind of Christ, the mind of humility, the mind of self-surrender, the mind of service. And that we've got to get the mind of Christ and we get that when we communicate with him through prayer. Did you know if you've got sin in your life, God won't listen to you when you pray? That's in the Bible. Where's it at? It's Psalm 66, 18. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Psalm 66, 18. So if I regard, so I looked up the word regard. It's a Hebrew word that means the same thing a woman's body does to a fetus. What does a woman's body do to a fetus? Nurtures, gestates, covers, feeds. If we do that with sin in our life, God will quit talking. He won't hear us when we talk. Wow. I don't want to do anything that stops communication with God, do you? No. Here's Billy Graham. Billy Graham said, to get a nation back on its feet, we must first get them down on their knees. Wow. Uh, here, let, me, let me get this. I, I, I like this one. It says, this is Corey Ten Boone. She had an office up there in North Carolina at one time. And here's what she says. Any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made a burden. Yeah, anything that's, yeah, yeah. we've got to start casting our care upon the Lord. Yeah. The Bible says, cast your care upon the Lord. He's able to sustain you. Listen, he said in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. Learn to me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. We've got too many stressed out Christians, popping anxiety pills. He told me to tell you, you cannot medicate anxiety. You have to repent of it. Yeah. Philippians, remember that? Philippians says be anxious for nothing but anyway you get the get the book there the other one's a shepherd's rod book and then we've got one called i like this one divine design i'm telling you that's pretty wild have you ever tried to do pottery i went into a pottery place the other day me and my wife and they were making uh, cups and i thought gee here i'm in my 70s and i've never made a pottery thing so I said to the little lady, I said, ma'am, do you mind if I give it a try? Uh, she minded, but she's cordial. She said, well, sure. Come on. And she's got a, a hunk of clay there. And she'd throw it down, pick it up, throw it down, pick it up, put it on the wheel. Now, and she, she had this wheel going at a rhythm. And so I'm, all the, I'm like this. If a little bit will do good, faster will do better. So I was pumping it like, like you're trying to rip up a 57 Chevrolet. Whoa, whoa, you know. I had that thing spinning like this, and I didn't know it's all in the touch. I rammed my hand down in this thing. That stuff went up my arm. It's the craziest looking cup you've ever seen. It's a, it looks like a crumped up cowboy boot. They've got it. They fired it in their ovens, and they've got it in their display. Bobby Connors coffee cup. Oh man. It's, it's, it's rough. But it's, well, it is one of a kind. You know, isn't that something? I, I like to do stuff like that, don't you? I like to do things that other people don't expect. Y'all know Rick Joyner? Rick's, yeah. we've been friends with him for years. We, he carried me off to Vienna, Austria. And we're in a place with maybe 4,000 people, and I'm supposed to be the speaker. So I get up there, and I look out there in the middle of the crowd, and there's a woman. I go, ma'am, I 
want you to give me a haircut. And she says, certainly I have my equipment with me. Rick Joyner said, you know that woman? I said, I've never seen her before in my whole life. But she cut my hair. Rick held the man's door open to the Coliseum while she washed my hair and cut my hair. He said, what if she couldn't cut hair? I said, a couple of weeks, it'd have been okay. <laughs> yeah, you just got to take a chance on stuff. Don't stay in the safe zone all the time. Remember, Peter at least got out of the boat. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Now, Peter, he's a, he's a unique character, man. Now, you know, when he couldn't stay stuck with that little 17-year-old girl saying, you're one of his disciples, and Pete goes, no, no. But Peter wasn't a coward. He wasn't smart either. Remember when they came, uh, the cohorts came, the hundreds, maybe 1,200 soldiers came into the Garden of Gethsemane to get Jesus? What does Pete do? He jerks out an 18-inch sword and cuts off the dude's ear. Remember that? Now, that ain't a coward. It ain't smart tactically either, but uh, <laughs> attacked a cohort, which is six to 12,000 guys. That's a bunch. Yeah. And then, see now, let me talk to these pacifists. Is that the name? Pacifists? You know, these cowards that won't stand for what they believe. So some say, now, I don't think we ought to be militant. Remember, he, Jesus told Peter, put up your sword, Pete. That's not how we're doing it. This is what happened. And Jesus picked up the ear, put it back on the Malchus servant's ear. And so, now wait a minute. That doesn't mean we're supposed to disarm ourselves. I read the rest of the Bible. Right before Jesus left, he turned to Peter and said, sell a couple of your jackets and buy two swords. Is that what he said? Well, sure it is. So I'm telling you, uh, I'm, I'm, if, if Peter needed two swords, you and I, I know we're in California, but I don't like this thing where they're trying to take our guns away. Right. Study any, how any nation gets overthrown. Yeah. They disarm the citizens. Yeah. It never works. Now, I understand there's some changes need to be made, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm from Texas. They, they, they're not getting the guns. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, you go, well, I don't think we ought to be that militant. Wow. I read the book of Jude. It says we've got to earnestly contend for the faith. Look it up in the Greek. It means fight to the last drop of blood. Let me ask you, is what you've got worth defending? Yeah, we better defend it. We better defend the faith. Certain men have crept in. Teaching it doesn't matter what you believe. It's, it does matter what you believe. We've got to defend the faith, haven't we? We're forging the future our grandchildren will walk in. That's the truth. Wow, I want them to have a good way, don't you? Mr. Park, that's right. Yeah. She's going to dance around like a little kid. One thing about me, the Lord, he told me one time, he said, you amuse me, boy. That's what he said. Yeah, that was when I was prophesying up there at the uh, Edmonton, Alberta. It was minus 37 degrees Fahrenheit. And so when they let me out at the Civic Center, they let me out of the van. I'd breathe in that cold air. My nose would freeze and those hairs. And I'd get in the Coliseum and it's warm. And my nose hairs would thaw out and it'd give me a buzz. My, my head would spin around. So I ran back out and froze them again. <laughs> on the fourth trip in, on the fourth trip into this thing, the Lord said, it doesn't take much to amuse you, does it, boy? <laughs> I said to him, wow, I could have been sticking my head in the freezer all these years. Yeah, it was the craziest thing. But let me tell you this story. You can Google this one. 
I'm up there in Edmonton and I'm preaching and I stop preaching and I wheel around and start singing a Jed Clampett song. Remember the old television program? Up from the ground came a bubbling crude. And then I stopped and prophesied. I said, this oil is going to resurface back in the sand pits. Look at, you can Google it. They say after the prophecy, 73 billion barrels of oil came in the sand pits in Edmonton. 73 billion with a B. We prophesied the largest gas reserve in the history of America down in Fort Worth. They pay them $1 million a month, $12 million a year to drill, and anybody in the family gets a check. Yeah, yeah. Then we, that's the Barnett shell. Then we prophesied the Balkings, the, the oil up there in the Dakotas. I can show it to you. It's crazy. But anyway, that's why it says, trust the Lord, you'll be established, believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. Yeah. They can tell you secret things. Don't you know the prophets know secret things. It says he shares his secrets with his servants, the prophets. Some people get aggravated that God has secrets, but he does. Deuteronomy 29, 29 said the secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong unto us and our children from now on. That's Deuteronomy 29, 29. Are you doing okay? What's your name? Autumn. Autumn. I got a friend he can call out people's names. I said, Sean, tell them something they don't know. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if they don't know their name, I mean, this may not be the place for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> but isn't that cool? Autumn. Well, that's good. That's kind of seasonal, isn't it? But you're going to bear fruit continually. That's a good thing. Uh, the Bible says the, the almond bud rod bloomed in the fall. Isn't that something? He said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. That, uh, yeah. Seasons are not, you know. I quote, I quote it last night or whenever it was this week sometimes where it says there's a time and a season and purpose for every activity of God under heaven. Aren't you glad God's not up there going, I never saw that coming. I wouldn't serve a God like that. He finished it before he ever started it. He's author and finisher, not author and what? Oops. Yeah. You ever started something and didn't finish it? Mm-hmm. A lot of us do that. We start projects and we're overwhelmed with them, but not God. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this very thing, he that's begun a good work will continue it. I like this guy. What's your name? Shandy. Shandy? Yeah. That sounds a bit Irish, Miss Hill. Yeah. Oh, man, I've been there. Whew. Yeah. I've got to see King Rat. This is the IRA Army massives, craziest thing you've ever seen, but it's all history now. I mean, you, you couldn't get a conference with King Rat for nothing. And then, so, I, I, you want to hear this? This is in the middle of the IRA army there in Ireland. I say, and I get in the middle of that. Yeah, Kenny McClendon. Uh, I told a man named Kenny McClendon who knew this uh, guy that, whose code name was King Rat. He was over the whole Irish army. I said, set me up an appointment with him. I've got a word from God for him. You can't get an appointment with him. So anyway, they blindfold me. I go up there to, they blindfold me. We go up to somewhere in the top of a building. I get unblindfolded. I'm like a you know, I can't see hardly nothing. And I meet King Rat. And uh, I said, God is going to convince you that he's real. He's going to protect your life. And you're going to turn your people to Jesus Christ. He looked at me like, you are a idiot. <laughs> and see, he could have me shot. This is when the war, the war is going on over there. So the word was, God is going to protect your life. He's going to save you. You're going to bring your people into a Christianity. So the meeting's dismissed. 
I go down. I leave with a man named McClendon. And uh, King Rat leaves his office, goes down to a secure parking lot, sticks the key in his car, turns the key, blows the whole car up, blows the, the motor 50-something feet away from the car, and don't put a scratch on him. McClendon's phone rang and said, can you get that guy back here? Me. But you can Google it. Remember, he gave himself up. They put him in prison, and the guards let the other guys kill him. Well, it, 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 yeah, that's it. But anyway, I got into that talking to this guy about Ireland. Hey, I went there. And before they, they ordained their druids, the, building, the, the walls had been there 450 years. The Lord said, go there and drive a stake down. So come with me. This is in Gilgalic in Ireland. It's a big old thing about the size of this building. And it's around. And they ordained their druids and all of the cultic stuff. And they got it all around watching. And so I get there and I say to the druids, I'm going to do a Christian meeting here. You can't hurt me, but I can hurt you. So I'll give you a few minutes to leave. That's what I said to him. Now, this is all history. It's recorded by the BBC TV company. So, here's what happened. All the druids are trying to go, listen, you might as well shoot an elephant with a BB gun. No weapon formed against you prospers. Greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. We're more than a conqueror. So anyway, finally they, just, they, they get panicked and full of fear and they take off running down away from that shrine and so I drive a stake in the ground and claim it for Jesus Christ. The building had been there 450 years. Now, you can Google it. I go back to Texas to the place where I was living. About two weeks, maybe three weeks after I left, the whole building imploded. All the walls had been standing for 450 years fell in. The BBC sent a television crew over to me and said, Do you think what you did had anything to do with that? I go, well, possibly. <laughs> but see, that's Ireland. Yeah. I tell you, if you're going to go to Ireland at that time, don't lease a car from Dublin to drive up to. Ooh, that's that. Yeah. I thought I was pulling up on a uh, garbage truck, but it was a military thing, and the little laser light was dancing right here. And look out. <laughs> yeah, some bad morning. <laughs> yeah, woo! <laughs> yeah, that's. I can get in stuff. This is true. But life is an adventure. See, a lot of people, and I'm hushing, hushing. I'm gushing instead of hushing. I said, that could be a rhyme. Yo, yo, Bobby gushing. He don't do that. Hush. See, you got the plaids on, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know the guy that used to run the 18th Street gang, he's converted. Got out of jail. What? Yes, he did. Remember when the L.A. cops had planted all that paraphernalia? They had to return. That's pretty wild. Mine. That's pretty wild. He, he's out preaching the gospel, to be quite frank. See? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. You sure are handsome. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. He goes, I don't know that guy. Mama, <laughs> mama told me to stay away from strangers. Yeah. But I won't hurt him. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I, I, some of these young guys can grow these beards. It looks like a, it looks like a, 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 a sheared mink. <laughs> or maybe a, a groomed beaver. 
I grew mine out. It looked like a wild walrus. Just, yeah. But anyway, my wife don't like it. When I hunt, I grow it out like this. And she'll say, shave that off. You look like a goat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a lot to talk about. But don't go to church and not have fun. Oh, we've got to leave. they got lunch to go to. And i got a plane to catch. I'm going to sign books in a minute. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray for you in just a moment. And I promise you this, if you'll receive, you'll get a, an anointing and an impartation from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the everlasting, never failing covenant, make you perfect, give you everything you need to accomplish the task you've been sent to do. That's what you're going to get. You want it? Yes. Make you perfect. Look it up in the Greek. It means missing no component. Anything you need, you have. Colossians 2.10 says, all that God is is in Christ and all Christ is is in you. Missing no component. That's right. Yeah. That's true. Well, we, uh, we, we're going to let you take over and you're going to do something and then I'm coming back and pray for them. I'm going to release on you Romans 1.11. Romans 1.11 says, I yearn to be with you that I might impart to you a charisma gift, an unction to function. Wow. Romans 1.11. I yearn. We don't even have a word for it. It's so emotional. Here's what it says in the Greek. This is on me in such a dimension. It's twisted me inside out so that he could equip the people. I do it through Colossians 1, 28 and 29. It says trying to get you full, grown, and mature is wearing people out. But I do it through superhuman energy. It's in the Bible. God will give you superhuman energy. Colossians 1, 29. Say it. Super. Human. Yeah, that's how I do what I do. Yeah. I can wear any of you out on schedule. I'm telling you. I can carry these young bucks or tongues hanging out. <gasps> Listen, we go a couple of places a week all over the earth. I'm glad. I, it takes four or five lifetimes every day we get a stack of invitations from around the world. Crazy. I was going to go to 28,000 people and 13 people opened up. 10 plus 3. I said, God, he said, I want you to go there. I said, God, it looks like to me I'd win more people at 28,000 and you're sending me to 13. He said, Bobby, that's why I have to do your scheduling. You don't know how to figure. <laughs> and I went there and the guys that own Hobby Lobby and the guys that own Chick-fil-A, that's the meeting with the 13 people. Well, see, that kind of movers and shakers or shakers and movers. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Just meander around and you'll end up where you're supposed to be. Don't you believe that? Every one of us has a GPS in us. Ezekiel says, when you got saved, God took out a stony heart and implanted a teachable heart. Every one of us has had a heart transplant. A heart that can follow the wooing ways of God. That's in the Bible what y'all are doing. Only it, it says in Habakkuk chapter 3, it talks about this is the prayer of Habakkuk made to wild enthusiastic music. That's what it says in the Bible. So, see, most of the time we won't soak in music. Wild enthusiastic music. It says in the Bible. This is the prayer of Habakkuk. Oh, Lord. Well, that's what he's praying about. He said, oh, Lord, I heard about you. And I'm scared. That's what he says. That's true. 
See, we hear about God and God, man. I'll be glad when the hush. He heard about him, and he began to scream with wild, enthusiastic music. Read him back at three. You'll find it. It's in there. All right, let's get out of here. Here. Oh, man, that was amazing. All right, guys, would you come? Uh, we're going to receive an offering, and then we're going to have everyone stand. They're gonna, I'm going to let Bobby just go for it, all right? So, um, so we're, we're gonna, this, will be, this is what we do. And so, gentlemen, come forward. Uh, if you have PushPay or apps, our apps, our Convergence app, uh, you could do that. Just say love offering. Is that right? Love offering. Bobby. Love offering. Bobby. Okay, and uh, and if you want to make a check, or you can do that to make it to Convergence House of Prayer, and we'll get that to them. That cool? All right. So, Father, thank you for uh, Bobby Connor. Man, thank you, Lord, for such a being such a gift to the body of Christ and to this house and to this region. And so, we just want to bless him, and we thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Everyone said Amen. 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 Well, we're going to go ahead. Uh, maybe Jordan can take us through a chorus, and then I'll invite Bobby back up and, and then let him just go for it.
Let's all stand. Oh, wow. Why don't you all stand? Here's what I learned a long time ago. Some things are caught and some things are taught. And there's only, there's only some things you're going to receive by catching it. And that's what we're going to do. That's what an impartation is. It's receiving by faith and catching what the Holy Spirit's going to give. And so are you ready? Are you re- ready to receive? Bobby, why don't you come on up and then just go for it, brother, like you always do. Anyway. Thank you. Okay. Now, that verse I quoted to you a while ago, Hebrews 13, 20, and 21, listen to what it says now. Now may the God of peace, who is the author and the giver of peace, who brought again from among the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the everlasting, never-failing covenant, watch this, strengthen you complete you and perfect you and make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that may you may carry out his will while he himself works in you and accomplishing that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ the Messiah to whom be glory forever and ever in this age and the ages to come. Amen. Make you what you ought to be. And God told me, Bobby, go where I tell you to go. I'll give the people an anointing out of that verse, whether they want it or not. You say, how can you get it if you don't even want it? You can get in the elevator and somebody got a cold, you can catch a cold. Is that true? And I'll tell you, the uh, prophetic anointing can be caught just like that. You get around the prophetic, it'll get off on you. And so God's going to release what you need to accomplish what he's called you to do, okay? Father, I want to thank you for Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. I want to thank you for Acts 1-8. You said we shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon us. I want to thank you, Father, for Psalms 92 anointing. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And I'm asking you right now, Father God, by your Holy Spirit, anoint your people. 
Anoint them with a boldness. Anoint them with courage. Anoint them with hunger. Anoint them with accessibility where they'll say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Lord, I pray that you will energize us and you will stimulate us and you'll get us off the sideline into the front lines and we'll see multitudes saved. Thank you for your plans for this region. Thank you, Lord. You're going to rock these places with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. In corporate meetings, people will fall out in the Holy Ghost. What they thought would be just a small meeting will take a day to get over. In Jesus' name. All right, now, say it. I have everything I need through Jesus Christ to accomplish His purpose. I am ready for anything here's your promise you ready Philippians 2.13 Philippians 2.13 says why it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure think about that now the creature Bobby you the creature can do something to bring the creator good pleasure whatever that is that has to be our number one goal that has to be our most noble quest. The creature, bring the creator good pleasure. So I started scouring the Bible. What could the creature do, bring the creator good pleasure? Luke 12, 32. Jesus talking. He said, oh, shuddering, shivering, fearful little flock, do not be so timid. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Nothing thrills God more than finding a people he can give the kingdom to. Psalms 110 verse 3 said the day of his power, his troops will volunteer freely. So start volunteering. Say, God, here I am. Here I am. I'm willing. Send me. All right. Say, I receive it. That's it. I mean, if people were passing out $100 bills, you'd be snatching. What God's offering you is way more than a $100 bill. He's offering you power to change this world. That's what he's offering you. All right. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.